Welcome back to Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. Yes, sir. Danny. I'm Harrison. Yes, sir. Uh, it's been a couple, Harrison Sanford, there you go. It's been a couple weeks, man. I, have you gotten a cut recently? It's been about like three or four weeks for me, bro. Looking crazy over here. Oh, Quarantine. I've never, go I've ahead. never been, you know, looking forward to a haircut since I played overseas where they didn't have barbers over there. I'm just most excited. That, I think I'm going to get one soon. Then hopefully I can get somebody come to the house uh, with, with a hazmat suit. Uh, mask and gloves. Overseas, Danny did look crazy. Bruh, if you go back to them clips, we have to do a, a, a session one day where we go back to the overseas, Danny, uh, with some of the clips and some of the stuff that I did over there was kind of was kind of wild, bro. Well, I, uh, I, I, I'll, we'll throw in some 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 pictures. My bar, hell of an experience. The haircut was, you know, one of the very few things, but it was a great. And mind you, I had a little game back then too. I played a different role when I was playing overseas. Yeah, I see. Kinda, I see some clips. Yeah, a little ball, a little ball handling. People don't think I can handle the ball and shit like that. So I can dribble the ball. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> my, I'm missing my barber right now. I didn't realize how bad my hairline get. is getting Bruh. crazy. Bro. But yeah, man, anyway. things that we think about during the quarantine. Uh, another thing that we did think about. Okay, did you watch the T Pain and Little John? I didn't. I heard about it. I watched. It. I've been tuning into. Was it DJ Nice is it, or DJ? Uh, DJ Nice, yeah. Yeah, he's been having a big blow up of people um, tuning in mm-hmm. uh, on his sets. He's been killing it. Um, Night Train has some good sets too, so I check out his stuff. But um, I've seen some of the battles highlights. You know, you go scroll, scroll through Instagram, see the highlights, yeah. see some of the lives of people that are bored and having a lot of fun, like Tory Lanez, uh, hella funny. Um, but I caught some of the highlights uh, of not that one. I didn't catch the little John. I caught the one who was it Dream. Was, I forgot it was Dream and somebody else. But there has been there's been some good, there's been some good battles. Another battle. Sean Garrett, Sean Garrett, Dream. Um, yeah, I think that's what it was. And there was another one that was pretty good. You know the battle. producers, Timberland, Swiss. Yep. Um, who else do we have out there? That was ooh, was it Scott Storch? And somebody else? You know the battle that everybody wants to see? What's that? Chris Brown versus Usher. That'd be Bruh. a tough one. That'd be a, that'd be a, that'd be a good one, man. But it's it's it's, a, it's it's great to see people tuning in and communicating with each other and being entertained and have still ways to entertain each other. And then, you know, just listen to music and change your day. Yeah. You know, or just you know, listen to people who play their hits can you know entertain you throughout your day which is a lot of fun to see um i also got a chance to see a couple of lives that uh i didn't get a chance to see the lives but i heard about some lives that i've been tagging <laughs> you know people tagging me and you know freddie v and pascal's live I'm like, what the hell are they talking about man and it'd be your own people man it'd be your own people maybe so, so all right since we're here now yeah what exactly happened was that was that game was that game four Eastern Conference semifinals? I don't recall what game it, it might have been game four. I think it was a game four. Okay. It was a game three, I think we got we got blown out. I think we got blown out game three. This one was actually a closer game. It's the game um, when people thought Pascal might not play. Remember because he had that injury and there was a thought. Yeah, you remember this stuff like it's just I don't remember that that vaguely. I do remember the play. Okay. Actually, somebody hit me like, is this your birthday? And I'm like, no, it's not my birthday. I'm like, why would you say that? I was like, oh, Phil Handy tweeted up. Or he put something on a story. And I'm like, this guy, no, he put the video up on my birthday last year. 
that's his way of wishing you happy happy birthday. So to be your own people, big shout out to Phil Handy, by the way. Uh, he has his app out now, 94 feet of basketball. Um, I've been doing a lot of his dribbling drills in the crib. So, um, but yeah, him, it's a, it'd be your own people, 94 feet of game. That's what the app is called. Um, so he put out a video of me in the huddle spazzing out uh, on the team and then shooting air ball in the post versus JJ in the post. And I guess Freddie and them, I don't know how it came up or, or uh, like what, what brought, like how did it come about? Like what brought this topic up? But I guess Freddie and Pascal were talking about it on live. And um, I only saw part of the story. I didn't see the whole thing, but it was, I mean, it's a funny story, but my version of it obviously is different than Freddie's and, and Pascal's. Okay. I'm here. We, we got time. We got uh, time. I said, all I, heard, all I heard in the song was Freddie say that, because um, at the time, said the rotation got cut short in Philly, Philly series. Uh, Fred and Norm, they stopped, Nick's coach nurse stopped playing them as much. And, um, you know, that, that year, I would post up some. It wasn't like, you know, a play for me to post up, but like early offense in the playoffs, especially it was like early offense. If you're ahead of the crew, you know, you can seal in, not really a post up, but you can seal in, duck in and get an easy layup, duck in and get an easy layup. And I'm like, cool, I'm cool with that. But as a half court set, don't go in there. I'm like, all right. But a lot of times early offense too, even some of our best offense now is for me to set a, a pick and roll or a step up screen for them to switch. Because usually uh, most teams put the smaller guard or, their weakest defender, not saying that the defender is weak, but their weakest defender on the court on me. Playoffs is all about mismatches. Best basketball is to create the mismatch or put your worst, make them put their weakest defender on your best offensive guy. So I'm going to set the screen, make them guard Kawhi. Now we do it now with Braun, me, AB, some of our best offense, me, AB, set a step up or set a screen for Braun where they have to switch and guard Braun or AD. Mm-hmm. Um, Kawhi, I guess, didn't really like it that much. Like, oh, get out, Caleb, okay, get out of there, or whatever. So, pretty much most of the game, I was a non-factor on offense, and uh, I wasn't involved in any of what's going on. I'm like, yo, I get to the huddle, and I wasn't really calling for the ball in the post. Fred said I was calling. I wasn't asking for the ball. In the post. I wasn't really asking for the ball. I was just like, yo, it's silly that we're not attacking this, you know, and making these guys guard. You know, sometimes they'll put Steph on me. Like, even though I'm saying Steph's a bad defender, but in order to tire him out, it's smart basketball to make him make the, your, their star player play defense. Mm-hmm. Most star players just want to play one side of the ball. Make him play defense. And I get out of here. So I go to the huddle. I'm, I'm bugging out. Because I said, first, they never see me mad. I'm like, oh, what the? this is stupid basketball. Why are we not attacking this player? Why are we not attacking this person? Why are we not setting screens or getting involved? And obviously, I didn't say in that demeanor. I was a little more animated a little more uh, adrenaline pumping, but frustrated because I'm like, Yo, what the fuck are we doing? This is stupid. We're letting them get away with, you know, getting off the hook with playing certain guys and just keeping, they're keeping Ben on, on Kawhi. They're keeping Jimmy on Kawhi. Tobias, big bodies. Let's make him a smaller guy, guard him. And if they double team, cool, we can swing it around. Uh, so I bugged out. And then it just so happened, like the next various of plays was me. It wasn't a post-up. It wasn't a post-up. I just cut to the ball and Mark threw it to me. Just happened to catch in the post. I was like, shit, well, I got to make a move. Mm-hmm. I made a move. It wasn't a bad move, uh, but I hadn't touched the ball in, like, probably, like, two quarters at that point. And the ball was heavy as shit, bro. I turned around, shot that fadeaway. Shit was a, a good foot short. And I was like, damn. You know, you do one of those. Like, shh. <laughs> it's funny now. L- luckily, we won the series. and won, uh, We didn't win the game. But it's funny now. But if we would have lost, the shit would have been funny. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can look back now and laugh at it. I'm not the type of guy to take offense to it. You know, I, I take criticism. Like, guys can joke. I don't, I'm not, you know, defensive. Um, so, I said, it's funny now, but 
So to be your own people, you got to bring up that story. At all the things y'all talk about on live, y'all got to bring up that story. But uh, it was funny. It was, it was, it was funny. So. It was. It yeah. was funny. Um, another thing that I did want to discuss with you as we're obviously we're still a ways away, but seem from starting the NBA season again or resuming it. Uh, but you were on a call with uh, Michelle Roberts and uh, leadership from the MBPA. Yes, we did. We had uh, most of the reps, and I think Kalo and Fred was on that, that call as well. Rudy was on that call. A bunch of guys on. Dame, you have the leader, CP, CJ McCollum. All the um, – we have each team has at least one rep and then one backup, you know, rep. Um, so we should have two guys from each team. Some guys didn't have some teams there, but a lot of guys – the whole Brooklyn Nets team, I think, was on the call damn there. They had a lot. Of, it was deep. They had everybody on. And uh, there's some good questions, some good statements, some good um, – suggestions some good um concerns issues uh, we so we talked about it um but coming from the call um the things that i can reveal or say or talk about it was nothing major but more so fans are a concern to worry just as players are we going to lose the season and i think by any means necessary we're going to try to you know salvage the season and right now we're fighting you know michelle and most of the guys think you know that we're for sure going to have a season it's just going to start you know later than we expected and um you know just trying to get the next season uh to be able to be pushed back is not going to be as easy as people think it's going to be you know we have to have our partners to be able to compromise and be like okay you know our broadcasters and be like okay with this but outside of that they're saying you know we're for sure going to have a season it's probably going to start you know mid to late may maybe that's what we're hoping for the earliest um or maybe early now but that's the earliest we're looking at mid to late may and it'll probably go through you know august you know latest september i guess but um, it'll be a quick turnaround if we don't get no break and uh, broadcasters say, hey, you know what, we, we can't push back to December or Christmas. But um, so it was a good call on positivity for the fans that you know, we're for sure going to have a season. So all the things that you hear in the news and seeing and reading, don't believe it that the NBA season's canceled. That's not true. Um, but, you know, it's a positive, it's a positive phone call and it's a positive outlook and a positive um, feedback for not just us but for the fans as well so you know anyone that's tuning in and listening you know we're gonna have a season and just you know be patient and we'll be back on the court sooner than later yeah that would be obviously great for for everybody uh then you ever, you heard about that horse competition i heard about it man i've looked at it um i don't know how i feel about it um but i mean whatever they can get to entertain the people I'm all for uh, get people on the court, but I don't know about a horse session on was it supposed to be on national television. Yeah, yeah, I don't know about that. I mean, we, I think we could find something better. Yeah, so, yeah there, there, there's something. Um, but other things that people can watch on TV, uh, and we'll be talking to him soon. Uh, is Christian Dawkins? He's featured in HBO's The Scheme. Uh, you'll be hearing about. Uh, his involvement uh, with a federal trial as uh, the FBI tried to implicate him and a number of college coaches uh, in a bribery screen, among other things. Uh, before we get to that, Danny, just your impression of the interview that we did and, and the show and the documentary itself. Oh, man, it was dope. It was dope all around. Uh, Christian is, is is great, very smart young kid, man. Uh, uh, he, at a young age, had a lot of big goals, dreams, and ambition. Uh, which he followed through on and had a lot uh, accomplished a lot before the age of you know 25, which is crazy. Um, but the scheme, you know, make sure you go tune in and check it out. It's a must watch if you're any type of sports fan or college fan or NBA fan or basketball. Um, but 
any sports fan in general is definitely something you should check out. I, I loved it. I thought it was great. It was a great documentary, and he got a chance to tell his side of the story, uh, not just for him, but for the players, um, for the coaches, for the, that side of it uh, and college sports and how things should be. And hopefully one day we'll get there. But as of right now, you know, we're still fighting the fight of, you know, put our, using our voice and helping these young kids to get paid because a lot of them don't get a chance to play professionally overseas in the NBA. But, you know, they're, they're NBA or professional levels at the collegiate level in Division One, Two sports. Um, so, you know, hopefully uh, things will change in the future in that sense. But he told a great story, man. And the scheme was an amazing documentary that I think everybody should watch. Before anybody listens to that portion or watches that portion of the show, let me say it now. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler <laughs> alert. So you cannot be mad at us if it's your own people, bro. <laughs> You've been warned. Uh, but it is good. Uh, you should watch it. And without further ado, uh, we'll go to this interview with Christian Dawkins of HBO's documentary, The Ski. Welcome back to Inside the Green Room with Danny Green. He's at his place. I'm at my place. And we're here with Christian Dawkins. If you have not seen the HBO documentary, The Scheme, you need to. Christian Dawkins is somebody who was sentenced to 18 months in prison because of a conspiracy theory or a pay-to-play scheme that the federal government was trying to uh, involve him with, with NCAA college basketball coaches. Uh, we're not going to have too many spoiler alerts, but we will allude to what happened in the documentary, what he's doing now. Uh, without further ado, Christian, thank you for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate your time. Yeah, man, I appreciate you uh, jumping on with us, man. Y'all tell me you got to the shit, Harry. Go ahead, man. Ask your question. You over here. So, Christian. Uh, introduction. Go ahead. So, you, so far, you've only spent one year, uh, one day, night in jail, um, in prison. <laughs> but there will be, there's an appeal process going on. Uh, before we get into the film and things of that nature, how has coronavirus, COVID-19, uh, impacted the appeal process and things that you would normally do if society was operating normally? I mean, it, it from my perspective, it hasn't changed much at all because we don't get, like, daily updates anyway. Like, it's not, it's not like, you know, um, basically you, you have to file briefs with the courts. The, the lawyers have to argue the points of contention. Um, that would cause the the case to be overturned, and then that's reviewed by you know a committee of judges. There could be oral arguments to you know go back and forth on points, but it's not. I don't know if they've shut everything down on their end. I don't talk to them, but um, at least from my vantage point, nothing has changed. Um, I haven't been back or have done anything at all with the case since the since the last trial. Okay. Uh... I laughed when he said one day in jail because I, I was thinking about you describe it. And I, didn't, I guess they didn't really get into much detail or take the parts out that you would like to have shown. I've never been inside, you know, jail or prison. What was your one day? You said El Chapo was there. <laughs> what was your one day like? What was that experience like for you as a young kid uh, being? I mean, it was, it, was, it was interesting. I mean, first off, I got there and the guards are like, what are you here for? And I tell them and they're like, it's no way you're here for this. And I'm like, yeah. no, I'm dead ass. <laughs> um, and then, you know, just getting in there and just seeing how, so, so in MCC, that's basically like the, the lockdown 
uh, wing for all of the most violent criminals. That's why El Chapo and those kind of people were there. Why did they decide to put you there? Why did they? Because the jail in Brooklyn was full. So the night I was arrested, all the jails are full. So I have they have no place to put me besides this wing. <laughs> I had terrible luck, man. Everything, <laughs> everything that could have happened wrong happened, basically. So, and your roommate or inmate, the guy that was sharing a cell with you, were sharing a cell with somebody, correct? Correct. He was crazy. How was that experience? How was that interaction you know, throughout so, that time? So, so crazy. He wasn't even that terrible. Um, he, he went off on the guard. He didn't like the guard. They didn't have a okay. good relationship. But when I was in there with him, we was quiet for maybe like 45 awkward minutes. And then I might have said something. It was interesting because, you know, he'd been in there for a minute. He's been locked up for a minute. And like his favorite artist was because, you know, obviously the last thing he's heard is what he, you know, left, to, you know, was playing yeah. when he was out. So his favorite artist was Ja Rule. And I just was like, bro. Our <laughs> rule ain't been the guy in a long, long time. Yeah, bro. he's been up for that. He's been locked up for that. Jeez. Yeah, so I had to just basically explain to him, you know, what's happening out there right now. So we talked about that. He did educate me on what will happen in our case. They, they, you know, he knew he was basically a prison lawyer, but he wasn't terrible. It just was the El Chapo thing is what fucked me all the way up. <laughs> I bet it would fuck anybody up. Uh, but let's get to the. The business side of things and the questioning. Um, obviously, some of the people you met, you regret meeting them and think mm -hmm. some of them are not great people. And the guy that I guess kind of helped you to start off was Jeff D'Angelo, which said you don't really know him well, don't really care for him. Um, but before you met him, and when you met him, and things were going in the right direction, what did you envision that uh, your, bat your your management company like? What did you envision that becoming? So basically, I wanted to bring the Hollywood model of a manager to sports. Um, mm -hmm. and, and for an actor or actress, they have a manager and an agent, um, and they, they work in conjunction. The manager is basically the quarterback of whatever the big picture vision is. Um, so I wanted to essentially bring that model to, you know, um, the sports business. I already had, had maybe a dozen guys with Andy Miller, the agent that I had worked with, um, but Andy wasn't the agent for every particular player that I was going to be involved with. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to kind of restructure things and give my clients a choice and put three or four agents in front of them, a couple of financial advisors, accountants, so they can pick reputable people um, amongst, you know, people I've vetted and everything like that, that would be the best fit for them. And then once the team is fully assembled, I would essentially you know run the day-to-day -day and be the point of contact because as you know playing in the league every player isn't as close with their agent or like you know it's it's not it's not what people everyone thinks on the outside looking in so i wanted to basically streamline all those communications and make it easier for the player and even the representatives um and hopefully the results would have been better so that was my idea you know, offer services like, like tr what traditional agency would do, but essentially I'm on the side of the talent as opposed to, you know, working um, for them. I'm working for them, but also protecting them from everybody else. Yeah, so obviously things were looking on the up and up, Christian, and then uh, obviously you found out, and spoiler alert, Jeff D'Angelo turned out to be uh, an FBI agent. And as the case unraveled and things of, and things of that nature, and we get to the actual trial, I, I I don't know if it was actually pointed out in the documentary, but it seems as if 
you were acquitted of seven of the 10 charges, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Now with, now with seven of them being, you, you being acquitted of them, how much do you think that helps your appeal process? With you know, the jury um, that you were acquitted of so many other charges, even though I'm sure the Southern District of New York doesn't want to take the embarrassment of losing every single charge. Well, yeah, I mean, the first case we lost on the, the wire fraud charges, they basically agreed with the government that, um, that the University of Louisville was defrauded. In the second trial, we beat every charge on defrauding the university. The jury didn't agree that you could defraud a university. So it's just, it's just issues like that that, you know, I think could help um, because, I mean, in my personal opinion, you can't defraud a university but in that first trial there's a lot of information that they didn't let in they didn't let in the you know what universities make from basketball they didn't let in you know a lot of factors and facts that that you know we've seen in the documentary so um i do think that um it could help with the appeal but you really just don't know man Um, you really just have no idea for sure um a lot of us have dealt with family members or people that we know in situations like that and could take a lot takes a long time, a lot of, uh, a lot of years, it's a long process. Was there anything um, from the documentary that didn't show or was not aired or cut out that you wanted the public to see or know about? Um, that's a good question. There was a lot of things that um, we, we had. It came out really dope. I liked it. I thought it was really dope. Um, how they put it together, it was, it was great. Yeah. But I'm sure you guys did, a, it was a, a two-hour movie. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you guys did a lot of, because, I've done clips before and they would cut out millions, a lot of stuff. So yeah. is there any experiences, any subject? I think, listen, there, there's a lot of stuff that, that maybe didn't make it. I think for me going in though, it, it, I didn't go in making a deal with HBO for, for me really. I wanted to show the bigger story. So I do think the, the, the narratives that I did want out there, that the players should be paid, that, that you know, the criminal justicism justice system there's some good to it but there's also a lot of bad like I didn't look at this as a sports film really you know what I mean obviously the, it's a sports theme film but there's so many other real life um situations that's happening in the film that 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 I think that did connect with the audience that I can't really focus on what didn't happen for me because the point wasn't like Christian Dawkins isn't a um like a celebrity, I just was in this position, you know what I mean? And I just told a story that, that people could, could relate to. So that was the whole point, and I think we did accomplish that. Okay. Um, but the, how long have you been into music? Like, were you ever, were you into music during the whole basketball? No, I mean, I listened. I listened to music, obviously. Um, basically what happened is I was like, yo, I'm, I, I could be a felon. Like, this could be a real thing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I have to start preparing for, for that reality. So I know I was good. I'm good at management. I know I'm good at that. So I'm like, let me see if I can transfer this to a different business. Literally, I'm not even making this up. I, I got on SoundCloud. The first song that I seen, I was like, yo, this shit is fire. Who is this artist? <laughs> I reached out to him. Um, I told him about myself. We talked for maybe three hours. I sent him a Management contract signed the same day. That artist, his name is Katil, literally blew up. I mean, every label wanted him. So it Wait, wasn't. Who was the artist? His name is Katil. He, okay. he, he, we're just in the process. We're about to actually release his first EP in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, he had, some, 
Yeah, thank you. He had some demos and, and, and some songs that were fire. And I just, you know, I knew some people in music and, and put them in front of some people. And it went from that to, you know, it was a bidding war. And we just, we end up being in a situation that we were fortunate enough that the, the chairmen of the labels wanted me to run the label. So it, it ended up working out perfectly. That's dope. Was there, that's, that's really dope, man. That's, that's crazy. How quick and that you prepared for that way, way ahead of time. Um, it's very commendable. Um, is there any other business ventures that you are trying to get into or trying to pursue? Um, um, yeah, I mean, on the music side, we have the label, which we have as a venture with Atlantic. We have a publishing company. So that's essentially like a record deal for songwriters or producers. Um, we have a management side as well to that where we manage a couple artists signed to major labels and then obviously you know the scheme was the first tv project but um we, we signed the scripted series deal i can't uh i can't really announce the the network yet um, but but there's some stuff on the tv and film side that we will be our company will be executive producing and everything like that as well so um they, they, you know, we, we'll, this situation obviously was awful, but between everything that I'm able to do now in entertainment and obviously the sports thing is kind of second nature for me. It could be a dynamic where we could combine, you know, music, TV, film, sports, and really have a real strong company. So that's the plan. And um, it's looking like it's going to come together. That's what's up, man. Congrats, man. I hope it does go well for you. It's just that's dope. But let us know anything we can do to help, um, you know, pushing anything you need. Um, but I'm sure this time right now everything's slowed down for everyone else but you can still get a lot done when it comes to music and phone calls and emails yeah um, where, are you, where are you stuck right now are you in Michigan no I'm in Los Angeles I live in LA oh okay okay what part of town yeah. Hollywood okay okay so you close to close, H you over that way right I'm over here I'm over here you're not too far I'm in central LA over here. Yeah, really? I'm over by the beach I'm in Manhattan Beach man we over to yeah. Okay, everybody's that's, that's fire. Yeah. That's so fire. Christian, Christian, one of the things that was in the film that wasn't in uh, the trial, I believe, were the tapes from Sean Miller, from Will Wade. Uh, mm -hmm. do you anticipate any type of fallback or any type of new actions that might come out from that new audio since now it's public, now it's for public consumption? No, I don't think that there will be any fallback. I think that those tapes, I mean, the content of those tapes, that isn't the first time that people have known. Um, I mean, listen, Sean had a head, uh, one of his head assistants that, that got charged, and then LSU, the tapes, the transcripts were already public, um, you know, via Yahoo's reporting a couple of months prior to the documentary. So I don't think it will be any new actions. That wasn't from the filmmaker's perspective, at least, you know, from the conversations we had, that wasn't the point to try to get any fallback or anything like that. It was basically just to show that if these, these conversations were recorded by the FBI and if you charged us with the same thing um, that's being discussed on this tape by these coaches, how, how did they, they not get charged too? Mm. Um, that was, that was the filmmaker's point. It wasn't to, I mean, I think our point, the whole documentary was the players should be paid. So, we we obviously are endorsing, for lack of a better word, what 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 those coaches or any coach who will compensate a player is doing. So that wasn't a um, that wasn't our intention. I hope and pray that there is no fallback. It shouldn't be because you know those guys are doing their jobs.
So I don't think it will be any, and I hope there is none. How does your, where does your relationship stand now with guys like Tony Bland, Book Richardson, and, and coaches across the NCAA. Um, I talked to some of them. I we don't. I, I don't talk to all of them because when I did get arrested, my phones got taken, and um, I haven't gotten them back, so I don't have people's information. Still um, haven't been back. Yeah, no, I still haven't gotten them back. So, so I don't really um, have everybody's contact to hit them. But the people who've reached out via social media and everything like that, we've communicated. Um, um, book is books good. Um, Merle Code's good. Most of the people in the case are fine. I haven't talked to Lamont at all, so I don't really know where he is. Um, but everybody else is doing good. So, uh, uh, Danny, did you want to ask? Did you have one? Go ahead, bro. You go ahead. Hey, you, got, you sure? You got? Go ahead, bro. I'll, I'll ask the next one. I'll ask the next okay. question. Well, speak, well, going along those lines of with, you know, with coaches and, and your relationships with them, one thing that has happened in California is SB, the Bill 206, that allowed mm-hmm. monetization of uh, your likeness for players. And then we've seen the NCAA now adopt that. Now, it won't happen until January of 2023. And there's still a lot of language that really might not address what everybody's kind of looking for with the purpose of that bill. But oh, it's a move forward. It's a positive direction. How much do you think that plays an impact on players, coaches, universities in their, you know, uh, decisions to potentially uh, lure recruits or recruits families' uh, decision to potentially accept money if it's offered to them? Well, if, if, if the rules are not – if the rules are changed, then everybody's going to accept money. Why wouldn't you? It's like, it makes no <laughs> sense not to. Um, the the I'm not so certain though that these listen man if the the if someone doesn't take charge and change it at the at the Congress level it's gonna be it's gonna get crazy because the NCAA is not going to just do it they're not going to they've shown this over and over they'll make those announcements but those announcements don't if you read the fine print they don't mean that they're changing the rules they're saying <laughs> they're gonna consider and put together a committee and they're gonna still keep it the same and and if if all these states have different rules. It's not good either because all the NCAA is going to do is just lobby people and just, and just figure out a way to legally pay people to keep the rules the way that they want them to do it from, from a, from a, um, from the standpoint of maybe it looks a little bit like they've made some changes, but in reality, they're not, no one's going to give up billions of dollars, bro, that that they don't have to pay taxes on without some enforcement. (laughs) That's the crazy thing. I didn't know that's so how I watched the, the documentary. I watched the document. They don't pay taxes. I'm like, what the? F- they're getting so much money and not paying any taxes. Not even just, and people don't understand the NCAA is one part of it. Then you have the ACC is an, or the conferences is another part. Then you have the universities make money and they don't pay. All of them are paying no taxes. Mm-hmm. And all the people are making millions and billions of dollars. So, I mean, they're not going to just give that up because somebody, uh, somebody you know put out a documentary somebody's gonna have to force them to 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 do it and it's gonna have to be congress how different do you think the story would be if it was told from the other side from the southern district of new york instead of your side um to be honest with you it wouldn't have been much different they're not that they're not that like you know 
Like, dude, 99% of what was, was on the documentary was played in court. Like, they're not hiding from – all they did differently was they didn't allow their – their FBI agents to be questioned. They blocked them from coming in. They didn't want any coaches to be questioned. They blocked them from coming in. Um, you know, they they would add a, you know, what they what they did is they went and got everybody who was like Manisu, Brian Bowen Singer, those kind of people, and they got them to testify against me. So so it's one thing for me to – even the coaches pleading guilty <clears throat> didn't help me because – it's kind of hard for me to say, yo, they didn't get paid, and then they pled guilty to getting paid, even though there's video of them not taking the money. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's just it's difficult. Like it's it's hard in court when 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 that's happening. So it wouldn't have been that much of a difference, I don't believe, because those calls are those calls. There's no way to get around me telling them I don't want to do it. Like they're even if even if they had me doing it, if I'm saying on one saying on one thing and I don't want to do it then you still have – beyond reasonable doubt means you have to know for sure that this person, you know, that was his intention to commit this crime. So um, there, it's hard to argue that was my full intention when I'm literally telling them I don't want to do it. It's very yeah. difficult. So I don't really know what their, what their story would be differently. Their, their idea, you got to remember, is none of what I'm saying matters. The players – shouldn't be paid in the scholarships is what the players should have. That's it. That's how they won the case. They made it all about the universities are being defrauded because they're giving out scholarship funds to players that are not amateurs. That's their story. Mm-hmm. You know, Christian, uh, one, another thing the FBI wanted and is alluded to in the documentary is your cooperation. They wanted yeah. to help bring in bigger names. Essentially it, it's, pictured as you're a pawn in this scheme to bring down bigger names in college basketball. Why didn't you? <laughs> because it's hard to snitch on somebody when you don't think they did nothing wrong. Like, what, what am I bringing in these? Okay, so if I was just telling the coaches or telling the agents or telling anybody, what would I be telling? Yeah. That, they, that they gave some people some money who deserved the money? <laughs> What's the, what's the, what's the, what are you telling on? Like, I couldn't even, I'm too, my demeanor isn't even even good enough to hold that in. I wouldn't even been a good witness for the government because I would have just been on the stand like, this is stupid. (laughs) What did anybody do wrong? I can't tell on somebody when I don't think that what they did is wrong. So that was the thing. At the end of the day, when you think about it, I would be risking possibly someone going to prison and losing their family, you know, losing their finances completely fucking their life basically i can't realistically do that knowing in my head that they weren't trying to commit a crime that's psychotic yeah basically they're trying to turn you into marty blazer and try to have you undercover and try to make them commit crimes further get them in bigger trouble basically and that's something you weren't willing to do no Mm. i I will say this though christian the the fact that you were um willing to tell this story and to uh, allude to what's happening in college basketball and and the FBI's trials to try and take you down in the whole system uh, does make, I think, more people aware of the, the imbalance that, ha- that is happening with the NCAA. And I think, obviously, I'm sure Danny appreciated it. Me as somebody who's covered high school athletics, definitely appreciate it as well. And I'm sure there's families all across the globe, or a nation at least, that are thankful that you, you gave your voice uh, to the situation. Uh, before you go, um, how much money you got inside the mattress? 
Because then I had a little cash on hand, like ninety thousand. I was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I don't got ninety thousand in the crib nowhere." I've got, got a bank account now, man. I've got I got a couple bank accounts. Now, Did actually. they unfreeze your other accounts? You said the credit card machine ate your credit. <laughs> no, I didn't. They they took all that money. I had to restart, man. I had to literally went from zero. I had to go brick by brick back to <laughs> back to where I am now. So no, it it they didn't they ain't listen, dude. It's nothing that you can think of that's gonna be fair if you're yeah. dealing with. Me. There's no, there's no fucking like. Let me give him a little bit of it. Nah, they <laughs> you, bury you. They don't give That's a fuck. Crazy. The credit card ate his machine. <laughs> ate it. <laughs> Wait, so when when your card got uh, eaten by the machine, did you like give me your, give me the play by play? I just put my head down, man, and just shook my head like. <laughs> so you knew what it was from jump. You yeah, I knew what it was. You're like, what the fuck? Break my shit. Yeah. Let me go inside. Hold on. Let me call the bank. What the fuck is going? Woman on my dad was like, "You should probably go to the bank and try to get your money out." Yeah. If, um, it, you know, before before they they noticed, and as soon as I got there, I was like, "Yeah, this is this is over with." So it is <laughs> what it is. It, I just had to move back in with my parents. <laughs> no more situations. Say that again. There's been worse situations than that. So yeah, exactly, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. We appreciate the time. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate you jumping on, man. Taking time out your day. Um, no problem. You know, best of luck with everything else, the other ventures, and the music, and the record label, and the new artists. Uh, big shout out to them. Uh, the scheme. If you guys haven't seen it, it's a must see. Go check it out, please. It's dope. It's really dope. Um, you know, Harrison. Go ahead. You can close us out how you want to close out the show. I think you did it perfectly, my friend. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Appreciate you guys. All right. Again, All right, perfect. The scheme. you guys got to go watch it. And best of luck with the peel process, business, all that. Thanks again. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah, guys. appreciate it, man. Good luck. My man, thank you.